Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast to help you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, another week, another late night recording session. How how are we feeling? How quickly is this show going to go off the rails? I think is the question we should ask ourselves. (laughs) Well, you two are the ones who are a little bit buzzed. I'm feeling fine and sober let's not no, let's not lie to our our listeners what? What? i'm not buzzed oh <laughs> let's not lie to our <laughs> listeners i am a bit but it's gonna be great <laughs> it's been a lovely evening with my wife had maybe more than one margarita and it's gonna be a great episode <laughs> to answer your question i feel great despite the fact that i got my second pfizer shot this morning i mean Really and truly, I feel fine. Praise be to God. Praise the Lord. Yeah, Eli. In if it at a various point in this podcast, Eli starts to get <laughs> a little, little out of it. He's not buzzed. He is uh, just feeling the effects of the Pfizer vaccine. Um, but hopefully that that does not happen. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you're you're vaccinated, bro. Everyone, if you're listening, uh, yeah, get vaccinated. It's a good thing. And helps us to curb uh, the spread of COVID nineteen. Charles, how are you doing today? It's been a day. Yeah, <laughs> COVID just impacts everything. It's uh, very interesting having dual income and having to find childcare and worrying about oh, it's not. And maybe our sitter may not just have a cough and a cold. Maybe it's COVID, and that throws everything up in the air. Yep. It's that weird thing of like the alternative isn't great, but at least it's not COVID where it's like, oh, thank God, it's just the flu. <laughs> it's like, well, that's still not not ideal, but it's also not COVID. <laughs> yes, I, hope, I hope she gets better. I hope the, the little babies with their adorable little runny noses start to start to feel better. We are here. We are in the virtual booths. We're ready to get started with our questions of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during this segment, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's number three, then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. If you could vacation anywhere in the world, where would it be, gentlemen? Anywhere in the world. Money is no object. Eli is funding the entire thing. Where would you want a vacation? <laughs> Who knows? I think for me, it would probably be Scotland. Because my brother-in-law, Jack, is from Scotland. And I, I would love to go there with him and with Sandy, but with him to kind of see everything um, from like his perspective. So probably Scotland. And, you know, Ireland, because I'm blarish and uh, want to be uh, consistent with the homeland. So it'd be uh, good to get back to my roots. What, what about you, gentlemen? Oh, God, you are. <laughs> you are a little bit buzzed over. Good for you on the screen. I appreciate you. I'm girl. true to myself, Eli. <laughs> true to myself. Love it. How wow. dare you? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, Honestly, anywhere I could go snorkeling or scuba diving would be great. I really want to go. I've been snorkeling. I've never been scuba diving, but I want to be underwater again. Um, Really pretty. I went to St. John and St. Thomas with my mom years ago, mm-hmm. and we had a blast. 
and snorkeling was the most exciting thing ever. You are braver than I am. I I, I like the idea of water and like underwater as like a science teacher. Like there's so much ecology is so interesting. It'd be so fun. Right. But as I think we talked about on one of the last podcasts, I yeah. can't I can't swim and I do not mess with water. So <laughs> we gotta get you in the water once pools open back up in the next three years. <laughs> you gotta teach me how to swim, man. Yeah, you, you got to get in the water and swim. Like we—that's part of the process, there, bro. <laughs> get there. We'll get there. Can I get like some little water wingies? Yes, I would love. It. You know what? You have the confidence for that, Jarrell. So I support that one hundred percent. Thank you. I appreciate you, Charles. Dream, dream vacation for you and Chelsea, or you, Chelsea, and the kids. It's your call. I won't tell well, you or Josiah that you. We, we <laughs> they're too young um <laughs> to know that we talked about not going with them because we did um we are years from now spending... they're like wait hold on like, yeah when they the listen podcast. to this podcast somewhere without us <laughs> no we um we actually have started talking um pretty seriously about so when we got married i kind of had this idea that every five years um we take a big anniversary trip so we like mm-hmm. save up and go on a big anniversary trip, just the two of us. So our fifth year, uh, our five-year anniversary is next year in 2022. Um, and we were talking about what, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And I think we landed on the Virgin Islands, um, somewhere in the Virgin Islands. Um, so like right now, very, very close on the brain. Uh, ideal vacation is with Chelsea, just the two of us at the Virgin Islands where I can go scuba diving and uh, snorkeling and lay on a beach and eat good food and be with Chelsea and it'll be great. I respect that. I think I think Josiah and Aaliyah will understand as they get older. Like, yeah, you know, you just, just things you gotta do without without the kids. Here's the real question: Where is the, where is the at the well vacation gonna be? Like, where where are the three of us gonna go? What well are we gonna visit? <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love that if we were just vacation wherever there's a well. <laughs> We just go to like photo really series. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could go to Scotland. I'm sure there's wells there. So let's just go all around the world and take pictures wherever there are wells. I love it. Thanks. I'm down for it. If if you're listening, if you're a listener, uh, first of all, thank you very much. But send us uh, recommendations for wells to visit, and um, <laughs> we will we will work it into. Work it into our uh, our plans for the future of this show <laughs> to do like a travel vlog as well as a, a scripture study. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, again, welcome, everyone. We are getting near the end of our study of First John, back to basics, our Bible study of First John. We are in First John chapter 4 today. If you have your Bibles and aren't driving, you can start turning to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, while I set the scene. John spends most of his letter reminding recipients of Jesus Christ of how they've, their knowledge of him should anchor them in the midst of trying times. In this passage, he spells out who God is, starting with his love for them, and how it was perfectly manifested in Jesus Christ. In light of this, John not only invites disciples to receive this love for themselves, but to extend it to their neighbors. Put simply, to love because he first loved us. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. 
and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This came up in the first episode, and I did not learn the pronunciation until then. Gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I don't know why that's so hard to say. (laughs) Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love brother love a brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother. Gentlemen, what can we learn from this passage nearing the end of 1 John chapter 4? So one of the things I absolutely loved about this particular passage was, like as I read it, I think the verse that stood out most to me was verse 17 and this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment that in this world we are like jesus um and so in genesis right we learn that we are made in the image of god the first of humanity uh, selfishly rebels against god and so uh, a wicked unholy and unrighteous uh, humanity is separated from its good holy and righteous creator who, still in love, promises to mend that separation by sending uh, a seed, a son. Uh, And this obviously turns out to be Jesus. And so God's goal in creating people was to have us be like him. And that's why we were made in his image. That's that's what it means to be made in the image of God. So God's goal is now for us to be like his son, Jesus, who is just like him. And so God has never desired anything other than for us to be like him. And when I get bogged down in the details of my life, when issues or external pressures or uh, just my own lack of organization begin to make me anxious, uh, verses like verse 17, in this world, we are like Jesus, uh, refocus me. And I think uh, this is... A, a really keystone verse to help serve as a barometer for like, wait, wait, God, why am I here again? And this is it. So I, I, I like that a lot. That was helpful. 
I think for me, this particularly verse nine is a reminder for me that God's love is tangible. Um, it's not an ephemeral, uh, it's not an abstract thing. It's, it's very tangible in that God's love was revealed to mo- among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God's love was made manifest in a tangible way, in a historical way, in a way that we can relate to, that we can um, kind of grab hold on and say, you know, in times where, you know, like you were saying, Eli, when we're a little all over the place or doubtful, we there is there's something to hold on to. Like, no, God loves me. And it's not like, oh, I think he loves me. No, I know he loves me because he sent his son to die for me. And I know he did because we have the word that says he did. Um, and yeah, there's a there's a there's a physical like atoning sacrifice that was made for me. Um, and so yeah, that was striking to me in this is that there's there's something tangible about God's love, and it's not just it's not just an idea. Yeah, so many things about this passage. Um, I think similarly, the first thing that stuck out to me was you know, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the, gosh darn, propitiation for our sin. But the, like you said, Charles, the idea that love is tangible, which harkens back to, I believe in First John 3, where we cover the passage of loving in um, action and in truth, as opposed to just like word. Um, so this idea that like, love isn't just having good feelings about someone, but it's manifested in how it is that you act on those feelings, how you act on like the choice to love someone. And we had talked about like, you know, we need to get away from a vague definition from love in the church and actually get into like, well, how do your actions actually back up the love that you claim you have for your brothers and sisters? And so I was like the first thing that came to mind. And again, that John is just so like, I don't clean in the way that he writes, that he's always referencing things that he's talked about before and things that kind of stuck out to him about his time with Jesus. And it just, it just makes it a delightful read. Like I think you said, Eli, like I'm also reading uh, John, just the gospel of John. And there's so much of him just kind of referring back to like other parts of his ministry. Um, so the first part of that was just, yeah, him referring back to the idea of like, let's love in action and in truth. Um, but also this idea that like he continues to make equal this idea of like God is love. Like in this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son uh, to die for our sins. And so this idea that, um, you know, there's a sense of, I think that I've seen it in people who have uh, been uh, hurt by the church uh, and, and rightfully so, but there's a sense of identifying uh, shortcomings in the church as it comes to love and particularly loving people in difficult situations and loving people who maybe have strayed uh, from the Lord in situations. And there's a sense of like them having a right, I think a rightful understanding of like the way they've been treated, not being in the capacity of like love, calling out elements of the church that are not so, but sometimes doing so in a way 
that suggests that God himself is not love and doing so in a way that's like recognizing their own experience rightfully and recognizing ways they've not been loved well rightfully and then putting that on like God himself and like this verse I think is really important to calling that out to saying like humans didn't invent love like that's not our idea that's God's idea and so whenever we're referring to the idea of like loving someone well or loving someone poorly it should always 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 be held up in comparison to the crucified man and this idea that like that is love whatever other imitation we have of it is exactly that it's an imitation but that is what love is that was god's idea that was jesus's choice and so it's a sense that we know what love is yes because he loved us not because we are uh so wise or new age or like a generation that kind of gets it but because we take our cues from how jesus loved and that's like the that sets the bar for what that means um and so yeah i i kind of got this idea that like of jesus kind of saying like don't 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 let people convince you that love is anything more or anything less than what i did like you take your cues from me and anything below that is just trying to imitate me like rightfully so and so yeah there's kind of an anchoring and knowing what love is by holding it up to the light of who jesus christ is and who jesus christ was that's a, a really uh really great great perspective there and aligns with one of the things i wrote down is that uh god's love took and takes the initiative and and everything that we do is in response to that love and to your point Jarrell, we're fallible so the people that you mentioned who have been hurt or trying to love people in difficult situations that's hard and they have been hurt because people have failed to love either in action or in word or by omission right there there's there's the omission part i have failed to love you by uh, not doing something or by speaking something or by or by doing something um and i think it's important yeah to remember that actually we're fallible in our efforts to reflect the person of christ we're going to fail but that does not tarnish the fact that god first loved us that he loves us perfectly um and that everything we do is in response to that mm. I love that. I love what both of you were saying. I'm so happy that the conversation has shifted in this direction because I was actually going to ask both of you, like what so much of John's, so much of this letter is about what love is and the word love is said a lot, but like, what do we all think that means? And uh, so I was sort of like bouncing around like, okay, so what, what did Christ do? What is the, what are disciples called to do? What are we called to do? Like, what is this? And, uh, Yes, we're fallible, Charles. I'd, I'd love that you pointed that out. And we are still called to love. And like, we're still called to be trained and may, and like to take on a renewed definition of what love actually is. Because as you said before, Jarrell, like God is love. And so that belongs to him. That's a part of his identity. And so only he can actually teach us what that is, what, it, what love actually is. Um, so I was thinking about it. It's like, okay, well, how do we love people? Well, I think love is 
is a statement and, and then the actions that follow through that says, I will sacrifice to serve your eternal well-being. Like to see somebody who is more than just like this finite thing, like you, we exist for like forever. We, we're meant to be eternal, right? And so like, even after death of our like physical flesh of our bodies, like our, like we still exist after that. We still, our souls still go somewhere. A resurrection is going to happen or it won't should we be thrown out of God's presence? And so like, I've just been uh, thinking about what does it mean to look at someone and want to serve them holistically? What does it mean to look at someone and, and to say like, you have a soul, you have a heart, mind, and soul that God loves, adores, and and that needs to be protected and trained up in a particular way that honors God and that serves you for your benefit, right? For God's glory and our good. And um, I think a lot of the church right, that you mentioned before, Jarrell, is when we don't regard people as, as that, when we see them as less than what God actually designed them to be, um, and when we fail as a church to, re to like, reconcile that um, that uh, misnomer, that mischaracterization of, of those people. And the final couple verses in this passage uh, get right at what you're saying, Eli. Um, it doesn't quite answer your question of like practically what does it look like, but uh, it's, you know, the last two, two verses, those who say I love God and hate their brother or sister are liars. They don't, they can't love God because they're liars if they don't love their brother or sister. I have a question for both of you, and I wrote this down. So like in scripture, there's a lot of things that we do through Christ. Like there's that phrasing, I forget, I forget where, oh, um, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Like what, how do you all work through this theme of, like living through Christ, dying through Christ, being like like dying with him in his crucifixion, being raised with him in his resurrection. Like, yes, that tells about something that's going to happen in the future, but there's also things that we do now through Christ. How do you all consider or explain that? Because it said a lot in the New Testament. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um... I think for me, a lot of it has to do with the choices that I make because for Jesus, like going to the cross was a choice and it was a choice that obviously denied immediate comfort or even like while he was on the cross, like there's passages about people saying like, Oh, if he is really the son of God, why is not he come down? Like there's, a choice to deny this immediate comfort as well as this like vindication in the way that you know you or I maybe will be tempted to to desire it and so um I don't know I think in terms of uniting with Christ and leaning into his sacrifice it means choosing for the things that maybe in immediately or in the short term in accordance with my flesh aren't the most comfortable or desirable things um but doing so because that's what jesus did and doing so in knowing that like because he 
you know, Hebrews 12 talks about Christ as like the forerunner of our faith, like going, literally going before us to kind of set the, the pace and to set the trail for how to live in him. And so kind of recognizing that in those moments where I am, I'm tempted to, to not love uh, either people who I find like personally difficult because of personality differences or um, to not give of my time uh, in situations to recognize like that's, I don't know, that's good company to be in uh, because Jesus himself willfully went to the cross, which like no one would ever choose for apart from great sacrificial, as we've said, like agape love for, for others. And so I think um, recognizing in those moments that loving is hard, that in those moments, I'm united with Christ who loves when it was as hard as it has ever been for any person in history. And that the Lord gave him grace for that moment and uniting with him in like some small semblance of not also not being as enthralled about it in my own sense that the Lord meets me there as well. So I guess like it's recognizing like love being hard is something that Jesus also experienced, but willfully went through. And if I'm going to imitate him, then it's something I will also experience over and over again, but can also choose to go through because the Lord is like the Lord is pleased to bruise Jesus, the Lord is pleased to test me and try me in those moments as well. Eli, can you repeat that that phrase? Sure. Um, this is verse four, or sorry, this is chapter four, verse nine, um, or the latter half of it. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, um, there. I think about Christ took on human flesh. He was incarnate. He was incarnation um, uh, in flesh. And in so doing, he took on my weakness. He took on my sin. He took on the part of me that I want to be redeemed. And that is redeemed through his death on the cross. And so when he was suffering and when he died and when he rose my uh sinful death in romans talks about new life in christ right like the old me is dead like i live through him because i died with him he took the part of me that needed redemption took it to the grave and left it there and was resurrected and he himself was resurrected and in so doing i have access to a resurrected new life and and i think the other part of that when you said that was i was thinking about the holy spirit living in him and through him um and part of that is like well it wasn't just he rose from the dead he actually then said and i'm going to give you myself <laughs> uh so that you can continue to live in the new life that i have brought you um, I'm going to give you my actual presence through through the Holy Spirit. So that's that's what came to mind when when you asked that question. Oh, thank you. That's helpful because I've been trying. There's sometimes there's language that um, it's difficult to to live 
in my body, um, but so often be told that God has imputed all of these things that I don't necessarily experience on a daily basis to me, right? Like to, to know that I have died with Christ, right? That's a crazy reality that you don't feel, feel the gravity of on a daily basis. And my goodness, I, I, I don't know, maybe I half-heartedly wish that I did more often so that I can, I could, I've, I could feel the weight of that, but I couldn't withstand it. That would kill me. I'm glad that only Christ did that. So like, um, but so like, sometimes I forget that scripture mentions or when the authors of scripture mention through Christ, yeah, you're right, Charles, there is so much of this imputed or given or handed over um, character or experience that Christ did for me on my behalf. Um, but it is in faith, it is as if, um, I am literally doing that. And that is, that's grace, right? Like that's the beauty of grace. Um, and so the notion of through Christ, yeah, makes a lot of sense through that lens. Thank you both for answering that. Amen. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so much here in just love. And I think the many iterations that this the the discussion could take, I think the biggest one of the biggest things that comes out is like you can't claim to be of God and not love your neighbor, not love your brother and sister, um, which makes sense. Like I think I said this in, a, in an earlier episode. Like again, John tends to reference himself in a lot of his writings, um, but the idea that like if I were to say Charlie, Charlie, I love you, but like Aliyah and Josiah, mm, I mean they're okay like that would that would be a huge amount of strife in our relationship of kind of like oh what do you mean those are my kids um and so there's this notion here that with god it's like yeah you loving god and loving god's kids are not mutually exclusive like they're not separate entities um and there's a certain responsibility given to us as ambassadors of Christ, as 2 Corinthians says, is making appeals to the world as if we were Christ himself, like to live that love out in a way that draws people in. And so God basically says, you can't, God basically says here, you can't say you love me, but then hate my kids. You can't say you love me and then treat my kids poorly. Um, and I think, I don't, for me, that's a huge, uh, barometer and like anchor to recognize like yeah if I'm struggling to love someone or tempted to like not give them the time of day like I can't say I love God and then be like but I don't have time for this guy I don't have time for this person it's like that's also an image bearer of God and I want to be able to love them as Christ loved me in a sacrificial way um so for me that's a big challenge of like not separating the two like god is good but people kind of (laughs) suck but choosing to to love where people are in the same way that jesus found me wonderful well that's all for this week thank you so much for listening you can check us out at at thewell.podbean.com. we upload new episodes every monday on podbean itunes spotify and google podcasts You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching three guys at the well. 
And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron at and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus contests like our contents like our recurring Jesus in the movie series, as well as our recent series on justice. Until then, we'll talk to you next week here at the well.